Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Growing up, I always laughed when a famous ESPN basketball analyst nicknamed standout basketball players as diaper dandies. Well, Todd Wolfson may have qualified as an elementary schooler given his size and talent, but stick around to admire and appreciate his candor in sharing why he so quickly ended his playing career to start his coaching career. Let's get to it. TeamSnap is the presenting sponsor of the Winning Is Not Everything podcast. But did you know TeamSnap is also a proud partner of the Positive Coaching Alliance? PCA and TeamSnap are working together to honor outstanding coaches who promote a positive, character-building youth sports environment. To submit your nominations for the Double Gold Coach Award, visit positivecoach.org backslash awards programs before November 30th. Many of you know I have railed against the obsession with labeling and projecting young talents. In my mind, what's the benefit? How does it serve the kid? How does it serve others? Because the downside of dubbing someone a prodigy, whether in basketball, tennis, piano, or science, far outweigh the upsides. Oftentimes, especially in sports, the standout athletes are the ones who happen to develop faster, but that doesn't always stay the case. Well, I haven't had the great fortune to speak to many athletes who experienced that route, which is why I was grateful for the honesty of Coach Todd Wolfson. See what I mean in part two of our conversation. Now, I do want to get back to it because this is no small thing, but you were a three-year varsity athlete at your high school. You had a chance to, you know, sort of continue playing afterwards. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So tell me about that because, I mean, that's incredible, right? To be able to be a three-year varsity player at what I'm presuming is a pretty big school and then being able to play anything beyond high school is just incredible. Yeah. Went to a pretty good high school in terms of, you know, basketball talent. Our league had, you know, I'm going to throw some names and probably feel old, but, you know, our league had Jordan Farmar who played for the Lakers for a while, Nick Young who played for the Lakers for a while. Yeah. You know, I think we had four or five NBA guys that were that ended up being in our league. It was competition, you know, every night I didn't play in a little, yeah. little small league uh, and then played three years of varsity at my school and uh, had an opportunity to play in college, played for a cup of coffee at UC Santa Barbara mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, kind of realized at that point, I want to say about junior year of my of high school that I wanted to be a coach. Like, this is what yeah. I want to do. I, I really yeah. enjoyed it and, and kind of, you know, going through the grind to practice as a player, I felt like I was kind of. I don't want to use the word wasting my time, but again, not growing in what I wanted to do. I couldn't spend time watching coaching videos, going to coaching clinics, learning from coaches, doing the things I wanted to do. So I got a lot of help from some outside sources, um, some coaches and some other people kind of getting my foot in the door at a couple places to, to start my coaching career. And it just kind of went off from there, which is pretty unbelievable. And I got my first assistant job at 21 and then I got my first head coaching job at 22. So I was a varsity head coach at 22 coaching. 18, 19 year olds, which was crazy. And I can't believe the person let me do that, uh, who hired me. But to this day, I'll always thank them for that. That's going to be a hard question. Take a moment to think about it. But let's say you went to UC Santa Barbara and it was a much better experience and you were a much better player. 
obviously you could coach at any point, right? But you yeah. mentioned junior year of high school. Was that around the time? Was it because you just weren't asserting yourself and didn't see that long-term potential to make an impact as a player? Or, or were you really just pulled more toward coaching than playing? Man, I think it was kind of twofold. You know, I think the first part, again, going, going back to my parents were big people of service and giving to others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I was always drawn to that. You know, I always talk about like in giving, we receive, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, by helping others, we actually benefit a lot for ourselves. And I think that was huge for me. So I, I enjoyed giving back and I enjoyed coaching in that sense that I was always giving something back to someone else. And then yeah. the second part was, again, going back to, to my kind of my childhood is, you know, I was playing basketball since I was three and four years old, you know, trying to compete with my brothers and my neighbors and stuff like that. And I kind of got to the point where I was, I don't want to use the word burnt out, but I mean, mm -hmm. probably to a certain extent, I was, I was kind of tired of that daily grind. Yeah. You know, it wasn't for yeah. me. You know, I stressed to my players on my, on my high school team all the time. Like if this becomes not fun for you, you got to find a way to, you know, I don't want to say quit, but you know, if we have 30 days in the month of practice and two of them are days where you're like, man, I don't want to go to practice. That's fine. Right. But if 20 of the 30 are, man, I don't feel like going to practice, then, you know, it's probably not something you should do. Um, mm. You're probably burnt out and tired and, you know, go do something you want to do life short. Um, and I think yeah. I kind of got a little bit to that point of like, you know, I'm going to continue to do this just for the simple fact that I want to try to get my foot in the door in a college. So I kept playing. Then as soon as I got to college, I knew, you know what, I, I got to start my coaching career because I want to start giving back as, mu as much as I can. Yeah. Early in your coaching career, when was the first athlete you either coached or coached against when you're just like, this person is on a different level? Because that's the thing about high school, right? Like you just come across certain kids that just like, you know, I'm here in Minneapolis. Minnehaha Academy is where my kids yep. go to school. I'm the boys varsity head coach there. You obviously have heard of Minnehaha. Yep. When I saw Jalen Suggs in eighth and ninth grade, you just knew that that kid was different. Yep. Right. Not just athletically, but like hand-eye coordination. I mean, just these intangible things that as a coach, we see things that I think that maybe the average parent or fan just does not see. And Jalen yeah. had incredibly quick hands, which yep. you don't really appreciate. But why is it that he's always stealing and stripping the ball so much and not getting yep. called for fouls? Because his yep. hands are incredible. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, you know, obviously I had a ton as a player, uh, yeah. you know, my first ever varsity game, Tyson Chandler dunked on me multiple times. Um, I'm glad there was no, no video back then. Uh, so my current players wouldn't laugh at me, but, uh, multiple times. I mean, he was, I mean, he was a six eleven and right. was built like a 25 year old man and was, was dunking everything. Um, so that was, that was the first time I think as a player when I was like, Oh my yeah. gosh, like, Hey, I'm not that good anymore as I thought I was. And B you know, I always say like, this is what they look like. This is what a pro basketball player looks like. Yeah. And unfortunately, and Todd, how tall are you, by the way? I'm about six, eight. Okay. Yeah. And so when you're playing against Tyson Chandler, I mean, do you feel kind of helpless? Like he's going to do what he wants to do just because not only because of his size and athleticism, but you know, he had skill back then. I remember seeing videos of Tyson Chandler. He was an absolute problem on the court. Yeah. 100%. I mean, he was a monster. He was a monster. There was not much we could do with him. Um, and there's, a, like I said, like there's a couple players that you'll run, a, run up against as a player and as a coach where there's just, there's not much you can do. You, know, you can try, you can scout, you can walk through, you know, we're scout team and all that. And then you get on the court with that guy and it's, it's a different beast. Yeah. And he was for sure one of them. I think from a coaching standpoint, yeah, 
Now, there's been a couple. The ones that kind of stand out to me the most, and you know, just in terms of recent stuff, is, is yeah. Lonzo Ball was unbelievable Man. as a high school player. The way he played, you know, we played them in a, in a, a th- I think I coached against him three times, and uh, first time they they beat us pretty good. Mm-hmm. But Lonzo was just so you could, there was he was so good. Yeah, you know, Lamelo was great, uh, Leangelo was great, but Lonzo was just a different guy. Okay. And uh, just with his poise and the way he played, and you can just tell from the start, like he was that was that's what a professional basketball player hmm. looks like at you know tenth in tenth grade, the way he played. Got it. Now, coach, you had some great successes. I mean, you've won titles. We know how competitive California is. How did you kind of build your program, build your coaching resume, build your coaching competence? What were some of the keys to the growth for you as a coach and in building yourself and your program? That's a great question. I think the, one of the first ones is, you know, you got to find yourself a mentor, someone yeah, who you so kind true. of can look after you and you can kind of bump ideas off because coaching is a, such a ro- darn roller coaster. I mean, you're, you know, you win a game against a tough team and you think you're the greatest coach of all time. And then two days later, you play somebody else. You shouldn't, you should probably, you know, beat and you don't. And, you know, you, you're ready to quit and you don't know why you're coaching anymore and, you know, all that stuff. So I think finding a mentor, someone you can bounce ideas off of, someone you can help you grow. I think it's extremely important. I think that's probably one of the the keys I would tell people, especially young mm-hmm. coaches. Number two, I think is surrounding yourself with good people. Mm-hmm. You know, and that for me has always, and that's a lesson I learned from my parents is like, I'd rather have good assistant coaches. I'd rather have good parents um, in our program. I'd rather have great kids than great athletes and coaches that know a million things about basketball per se. You know, find me good people first because good people will always will always win in the end. And I believe that honestly. And when you surround yourself with good people, you enjoy coming to practice. You know, you enjoy being with the people you're around. I mean, my coaches that I have now, my assistant coaches, they're like, you know, they're family. I got married in June and they all came to my wedding and I wouldn't want it any other way. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's important is making sure that those guys are good people, that your coaching staff is good people. And then trying your best to surround yourself with it's hard, you know, but teaching those life lessons so you have good kids around you also. Um, and then third is, I think, and this is a, probably the toughest one, but aligning yourself with a great administration and kind of aligning with administration who believes in you, who allows you to coach. Obviously, every high school and every high school coach has some type of constraints. Shoot, we can't practice this Friday in our gym because there's an event going on. I know every school has its issues, if you call them issues, but making sure you have an administration and a faculty that supports you as a coach and supports your players in every way you can. Because I've heard of administrations and I've heard of schools where, you know, the coaches are trying their best to support their athletes and, and make them as successful they can, but they're not getting that help from the people above them, um, which makes it inevitably almost impossible to win and, and be successful. So I think that's probably the third one was align yourself with, with those kind of people and, and from an administration standpoint. Yeah. Now, I know you mentioned, you know, marriage, but you don't have any kids yet. But what have you learned about these young men over the course of time as a coach? (laughs) Every day is an adventure. I think uh, (laughs) I think that would be the first one that comes to my head is every day is an adventure. 
you never know what you're going to get when you're coaching kids. You so know, true. Whether they're, you know, I coach youth programs as well, whether they're in fourth grade or whether they're 19 and have 30 division one offers, you're going to get something different every day when you coach. Um, and that's something you kind of got to be prepared for. And, you know, kind of keeps you on your toes and it keeps you always optimistic. And, you know, there's always presenting a challenge. And, and I think lastly, just, you know, you're always putting out fires sometimes, too, is, is I think as an underrated value of a coach is you, you're always putting out fires. <sighs> Yeah, it's it's so true. And I mean, anytime young boys are involved, nothing is off the table, right? Yeah. I mean, you just can't, you just don't know what they're going to do, when they're going to do it. What are a couple of your highlights so far as a coach? And, and you know, maybe there's one that's a, uh, a championship season or a particular game, but then what would be a highlight just in terms of that impact? You know, and, and you don't have to say a particular athlete's name or something, but just share with me, you know, two of those examples if you can. Sure. I mean, I think the first one is, you know, attending one of my players' weddings. Mm. I think that for me was, that was awesome. You know, for a lot of reasons, you, you, you coach a kid for four years and meetings and ups and downs from a season and his career and helping him in so many ways kind of get where he is today. And then you see him at a at a place where, you know, he's he's becoming a man and he's, you know, getting married and starting a family. And I think that to me was an important time for myself selfishly because hmm. I sat there during that wedding and just said, this is why I coach. You know, this is better than any championship ring. This is better than any trophy I could I could possibly get. Um, yeah. You know, I call my players sometimes like walking trophies, right? Mm. Like those are better than any trophy I personally could obtain of any kind. And I think that for me was 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 one. And the second one is when one of my players, different player, had had his baby, and uh, you know, he was I was the first call after his parents to tell me that uh, he had a son and he wanted to share some photos with me. And as soon as he came home, he'd love for me to come see this child and be a part of its life. And um, I think those two for me st stood out the most. It's very easy to get caught up as a coach that, you know, these are your players. Right. But but these are really your people. Um, I think more than anything and remembering that they're, yeah, they're going to get you some, some, some wins and have you get some losses and stuff like that from a coaching standpoint. But in the end, they're, they're people and you got to mold them and help them as in any way you can and having them start their real lives per se um, and making, having them make you a part of it, I think is a, is a, is a really cool thing. Yeah. That's outstanding. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. If you have any questions or comments, please visit my website, seankjensen.com and go to the contact page. You can even leave me a voice recording. And of course, I want to thank my presenting sponsor, TeamSnap. Make sure you're ready for winter sports season by downloading the TeamSnap app from your app store. And don't forget to submit your nominations for PCA's Double Gold Coach Awards at positivecoach.org backslash awards dash programs. Until next time, I'm Sean Jensen. <laughs>